Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Well, good morning, church family. It's great to see you. Good to be back with you, and we uh, appreciated the time away. Tam and I were able to be away the past two weeks, and it was good to rest and refuel, but we missed you and are um, pumped to, to jump in and run again, and excited for what God has for us in the future. Next Sunday, we'll do a quick team huddle here in our worship time, just talking about some mission, vision, initiative stuff coming in our new ministry season, but... Excited to uh, to continue this series, lifted up, and our uh, today we are going to be moving into a portion of it where we'll return to the life of David, a low point in his life, and it was a, a point that we covered in some detail back in our How the Mighty Fall series, where it was that night that David, um, the arrow of lust came hurtling through the night, hit him in the heart. He gave way to that temptation and committed adultery and then to cover up the adultery committed uh, murder and just low point, low point, low point in his life, failure. And as I shared that story, it was hard as we went through that. It was good for us. We, we were equipped to face the temptation in our, in our own lives and just that challenge of fleeing and focusing on the goodness of God but it was tough not to come to this point. And I knew this this is like part two, but this is the good news. This is the hope. And what we're going to discover today is the recovery road that God leads David on. And it's a recovery road that we receive as well for our own faith journey. As you think about your own life and, and following Christ, failure is one of those, it's a tough moment, isn't it, to process. And those moments, we can fail at work and, you know, not get the project done right or fail at school with some assignment or fail on the sports field or but man when we fail before God when we sin against him the one who loves us when we and our sin affects the people around us those are tough moments to process and the question today really that we're chasing is how do we process the failure moments of life how do we process our own sinfulness and the danger that we see in our own lives and as we watch is there's two ditches that we can fall in. We can fall in on the one side, the ditch of shame and unworthiness and where we're just stuck in our shame and we, we run from God, we hide from Him and we live distant from Him because of what we've done. We know what we've done is wrong and, and we just feel unworthy to be in His presence. The other ditch is the ditch of denial where we um, our pride won't let us look at our our brokenness and our sin and our failure, and we just ignore it or pretend uh, it's not as bad as it is or minimize, make excuses for it. And the danger of both of those ditches is they destroy us. We, we keep, they keep us from the joy of intimacy with our God and with our Father. And so today we're going to discover the path of recovery, the road of recovery that, that uh, God gives us through David. And what's strange is there is a summary word. Like if you think of one word that would describe this, we're going to be in Psalm 51. And one word that describes the recovery road, it is this word. And it's a word that normally when we use this word, it, it's something that would be a negative. But it's actually our hope. And so if you would join me in Psalm 51, 
And we'll begin reading at the end of the psalm. This is the conclusion, and then we'll go back and and, uh, work through the psalm. But Psalm 51, verse 16 and 17, David is writing, this is a a psalm that he writes after Nathan has confronted him about his sin with Bathsheba. And he says this, speaking to God, you do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. How should we respond to our to our sin, to our failure moments in life? And the one word summary for the, the path of recovery and what God calls us to is, is this word broken. That we would live broken over our sin. It's interesting, David, he says, you do not desire sacrifice. And we know God does desire that. It's He's um, just using hyperbole and saying, hey, what God truly desires is the heart. And it's a heart that that is broken over what we've done or broken over what our sin, um, how it's hurt God and it hurt those around us. So I was thinking about this word broken and what's that look like. And I encourage you as you think about what what exactly does this um, look like in your life and as you walk with God. One picture that just jumps to my mind again and again, is a family moment. And it was when our son Chad was around five, six years old. He was in the, the elementary age, that wonder season of life. And uh, the, one of the highlights of the week was Thursday. It was my day off, and we would wait till he came home from school. And then when he jumped off the bus, the bus would drop him off um, down, down the hill. He would jump out, come tumbling out of that bus, running up the sidewalk with his little backpack on, and I would usually be out there to meet him and just say, hey, let's go. And we'd go um, enjoy an after-school snack and then go play together, right? And it would be off to a bike ride or a trampoline or soccer or something fun. But it was just fun together. But on this day, he comes off the bus, and it was like somebody had filled his backpack up with lead, 120 pounds of just heaviness as he's just weighed down coming up the the uh, sidewalk. And no, no, he's not running up the sidewalk. He's just inching his way up. And you can just tell the weight of the world is on him. And so as his dad, I moved towards him. I I began walking down the sidewalk like, what's wrong? And when I met him there, I'm like, Chad, what's wrong? And he uh, struggled to get the words. I couldn't look at me. And then he just began to cry. And I'm like, oh boy. The bully on the bus or something like that went down. So I said, come on, buddy. So we went over and we sat on the step. I said, what's wrong? And he began to tell me, finally got the words out. He said, I had to move my clip. <laughs> when you got in trouble at school, you had to move your clip up or down or somewhere on the chart. And what was he processing? It was failure. It was that crushing guilt of not measuring up, of a failure. And God whispered a couple things to my heart. One is, John, your boy has a tender heart. Be gentle. But, but two, the picture of our father, forgiveness, but of brokenness. And we talked through, hey, Chad, did you, are you sorry for what you did? And did you learn your lesson? And then now, let's talk about forgiveness and the joy of living forgiven. And let's get on with living life. But the picture of brokenness, what does God desire in our hearts as we process our sin 
and it's that we would be broken over it, which raises the question, what's that look like? What's a broken spirit look like before God? What we have in Psalm 51 is a picture of that. What David writes, there are three prayers that really map the path of brokenness that we can continue to pray. Um, and I would just, as I pick these up in my own life, I'm re-energized to pray these often and, and even daily as a practice of confession and would, would invite you to, to, to take these prayers. It's pray in Scripture right out of God's Word, but they lead us to a path of healing in processing our sin. One uh, side note, before we dive into this, we'll begin reading in verse 1 there to discover the first prayer. But as I was preparing for this, I was just reminded that one of the lies of the enemy was having some conversations with some people and just, uh, do you ever hear the lie, you're, hey, you're the only one that struggles, you know? Everybody else seems to have it together. Why are you still struggling? Or, you know, Everyone seems to have the good marriage. Why is our marriage struggling? Or everyone seems to have a, the happy family. Why is our, our family struggling? Or um, every, people around me, you know, seem to have it together in these areas, and I just don't. I'm, I'm struggling. And I believe that's one of the lies the enemy wants to just hit us with to get us down, but also keep us alone in our, our struggle. God created us to do life together and to even heal together and, and to let each other know, we're in this together, and we're Galatians 6, 1 and 2. If you see someone uh, struggling in a sin, that we come alongside one another, and not to judge, but to lift up, help, help heal. And as Tam and I were away this past um, couple weeks, one of the, we had our um, one thing marriage retreat together, and one of the things as we talked about our, our life mission is we exist to help, as we get to share life with you as our church family, we exist to help you win your fight. That's, that's what drives us. That's, and even this morning, as I share this from God's Word, it's to help you win your fight, win your race. But here's the reality. We don't, I don't stand up here, she doesn't um, stand before you, nor any of us, as having it together. We are co-strugglers in this fight. And I asked her if I could share this, and I'm not proud or lifting this up um, as something to, um, in any way, this is... I wish this wasn't, but it was, and so I'll, I'll share it. But 30, we celebrated 32 years of marriage this past week, and grateful for that. But we had probably our toughest conflict in our marriage on the way to vacation um, this, uh, this past couple weeks. And the enemy, he is out to take us out. And there is a sinful part of me that I still don't see. And I will continue to have to confess till the day... I die. There's hope we can make it, but, but we are co-strugglers, aren't we? We're not alone in this. And so this is something that we all need um, as we confess, repent, and seek to be Christ-like as we follow Him. But, but there, uh, the hope in this, we see three prayers to pray. The first one is found there in verses 1 and 2. As he says, uh, he begins, he says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. And so, the first, uh, this first section, he's saying, he just begins appealing to the mercy of God, and he says, blot out my transgressions. As you think about um, your sin and, and the failure moments, do you, 
we have that regret that you just sense, he's saying, okay, I, I see my failure has been written in the story of my life. Like my life story has been written and there's my sin. So God, would you blot it out? Would you just erase these lines that have been written? Would you wash away my iniquity? Our sin is often like that, that, I don't know if you've ever dropped like spaghetti on your shirt, your white shirt, and you're like, oh, get it out, get it out. And it's still kind of, the stain is still there. And you're just like, you feel David's just desire, God, would you just wash my um, iniquity away? And all of it, all of it, the murder, the adultery, the lies. And then when he says, would you cleanse me from my sin? It's a general summary of all of this. He's putting all this together and just saying, Lord, cleanse me, just Take it away. Give me a, a clean heart before you. So when we come to those moments of failure, our sin, and, and we can um, begin to confess, where do we begin? And rather than be in the ditch of, of uh, shame or the ditch of denial, we run to God and we say, Lord, would you cleanse me? Would you do what only you can do? Would you wash my heart clean? You may be thinking, though, how? When, man, my sin is, is bad. I cannot imagine what David must have been thinking. Can you imagine having committed murder? He's supposed to connect or protect the country, and here he's killing his own people, and then the adultery and the lies and just all that's going on. And we feel guilt and shame in our own lives, though, don't we? And how do we get past that to, to move into this place of confession? Three realities that, we, that David is seeing that we must see. And the first one there is in verse 1 where he says, according to your unfailing love and great compassion. So the first reality that we must see as we come to confession is God's unfailing love and his great compassion. I found often, and maybe you found this in your own life, before God does a work of uh, transformation in me and, and really leads me to the, the depth of what I've done against him, he reminds me of his unfailing love and his great compassion. And he reminds me, John, there is nothing you can do that's going to affect my love for you. I picture the father walking down as a, a dad, walking to Chad, you know, and in those moments that Chad did wrong at school, was there anything that was going to change my heart of love for that boy? And so it is with our heavenly father. And it's what leads us to him. The kindness of God leads us to repentance. Romans chapter 2. And so we see it. The uh, next say, okay, what moves us to pray, cleanse me from my sin. We're seeing his unfailing love. But then we, we're seeing the depth of our sin. Verses 3 to, to 5, or 6 actually, it says, For I know my transgression and my sin is always before me. Verse 4, against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Notice he's not trying to excuse his sin in any way or minimize it. He says, you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. What was the penalty for David's sin under the law? What he did? It was death. He deserved to die. Verse 5, surely I was sinful at birth and sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Interesting, he goes back to the reality of, I had a problem at conception. And it's, this is the, the doctrine of the inherited sin that nature that we receive from Adam. You don't have to teach a kid how to say no, how to rebel against mom and dad. It's in us. We are not born good. We are born broken. 
And yet there is a residue goodness in us. And we see this. This is the common grace that God has given us a conscience of what's right and wrong. He says, yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in the secret place. So even as we grow up, we realize, yes, there is right. There is wrong. And David's reflecting on this. Here David is seeing his sin, facing it, seeing the severity of it. And the challenge for us today is, are we seeing the the reality of our sin? It's easy to just fly by it, isn't it? And um, minimize the unkind word to our wife, the disrespectful attitude towards our kids just because we're the ones in power and and not treating them gently or kindly, the selfish decision, our sinful response to hurt. And rather than um, offer forgiveness or offer uh, reconciliation to to be passive-aggressive and make the jab, attack back, or harbor a bitter attitude towards that person, serving the idol of success, the idol of materialism, giving way to grumbling and a negative attitude rather than being grateful for what God has given us. One of the practical applications of this text that challenges us to help us see our sin is to practice the habit of confession daily. And I found if I don't put this into my rhythm, it's not going to happen. It's no, this, this isn't a fun path, is it, to take. And yet, so important that we slow down. And this is uh, something that we can do during our daily meeting with God where we just survey our heart. God, is there, we pray the prayer of Psalm 139, 23, 24, where we, he prays, Lord, um, examine my heart, see if there's anything offensive in me and lead me in the way that's everlasting. When we were at another church, we, would, we had adopted a portion of the highway that uh, we would go out and clean. Now, if you ask me, is that highway dirty, flying by the, the road at 55 miles an hour, I'd be like, no, the highway looks fine. I'm, I, I see no trash out there on that road. But when we would go, um, get our big old plastic bags and put on our red, our red vest, protective vest, and begin walking along that highway, picking up trash, unbelievable the amount of junk that was out there. And big junk. You would find hubcaps and tires and all kinds. It was like Walmart just scattered along the side of the road. And almost every time we did the highway cleanup, I was... God whispered, John, so it is in your soul. So it is in your soul. You think you're good as you fly by life at this busy pace, but when you slow down, it's then I'll show you. You've got a hubcap that, that needs fixed or uh, issues, sin issues in your life that, that are stealing your joy and leaving you hurting others and, and hurting me. So am I seeing my sin? David is seeing it clearly. The third reality that David sees that helps him pray, cleanse me from my sin, is he's seen the hope of cleansing, like cleansing is actually possible. We see this in verse 7 to 9 where he says, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean, wash me and I will be whiter than snow. I love what uh, Spurgeon, a, a pastor of years gone by, says this verse is one of the most loaded verses with faith than, than any verse in the Bible. After all that David has done, he's saying, I... I see that if you will cleanse me with hyssop, hyssop was that branch that the priest would use to scatter the blood on the altar that would cover people's sins. And 
He's saying, if you would cleanse me, I will be clean. Wash me, I will be whiter than snow. He believes that God can actually cleanse his heart. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Here, David is expressing his faith in God's power to cleanse him. We serve a God who is anxious to cleanse our sin. And not only is he anxious, he is, he is able to cleanse our sin. And it's so appreciated our worship team in West just leading us back into the beauty of the gospel. But, but what is the beauty of the gospel? What, why did Christ come for you, come for me? It was to cleanse what we could not cleanse, to wash away what we could not wash away. His precious blood, the blood of a man who, the only human ever to live a perfect life, was shed on the cross as a sacrifice. And when we, by faith, apply his sacrifice to our hearts, our sin is washed away. And we can stand before God, live our life today, tomorrow, and into eternity with a clean heart with God. (laughs) Like a little kid that comes back up and processes with his dad and then realizes you've been forgiven. Come, enjoy life. Today I believe what God is leading us into is, one, a revival of heart, but two, the joy of intimacy with Him, the joy of just childlike rightness with God. And what a gift. But it comes as we see these things and as we pray, God, would you cleanse me from my sin? And so we pray, cleanse me from my sin, but the second prayer that we pray is found there in verse 10, which is, create in me a pure heart. Oh God. So he goes from the problem of, of a heart that's dirty to the problem of motives that are mixed. When, when he says, and, and the prayer that we pray is, God, would you create in me a pure heart? This is where we're asking God to purify the place that, that decides within us, our motives. What is, what is purity when you see it in the Bible and in, in life? Purity is, is um, to consist of one thing. So a a pure heart is a heart that wants one thing. Why do we sin? And when we get into sin, it's because we want two things. We want our will and we want God's will. But this is where we're praying, Lord, would you unite my will that I would want you alone. Purify my heart that I would want one thing, that I would want only to please you, only to bring you glory, only to do what is right in your eyes. So what's neat about this prayer, guys, is in our times of confession, we pray, Lord, cleanse me from my sin. God cleanses us. But then, where does the transformation to be like Christ happen? It's where we, we say, okay, behind the sin, behind what I did, what's the motive that led to that sin? And we aim this prayer at that motive. God, would you purify that motive in my heart? Would you give me a pure heart in this area? So, what it does is it transforms our time of failure into a time of, of uh, spiritual growth as God helps us at the motive level become more like Christ. And then the third prayer that maps the pathway to recovery. So we're praying, Lord, cleanse me from my sin, create in me a pure heart. And then second part of verse 10, we're praying, renew a steadfast spirit within me. Third prayer, renew a steadfast spirit within me. So this is where he shifts from motive to action. And what he's praying is, Lord, would you give me a will that is 
strong to, to, to do what you want me to do? Would you help me to be steadfast in when temptation comes, not giving way, but rather choosing to do right? Would you help me to, uh, to not only have a heart that wants to follow you, but actually to follow you in my everyday life? Let me be determined to follow you. I love the illustration that Dallas Willard um, uses to describe what God is, desires to do in our hearts, and especially in this moment, praying this, would you uh, renew a steadfast spirit within me? When a battleship is attacked, and I recently was reading about the, the uh, U.S. Indianapolis, the, the battleship during the World Wars that actually eventually um, it sank, but at one point in the battle, it was attacked by a kamikaze from Japan where they just drove the plane right into the ship. So when that, thankfully they were able to repair it on the run, but they had to take it back to the dock. And when it pulled into that harbor, that ship was safe, right? It was safe. It was no longer in danger of sinking. But it was not sound. It was safe, but it was not sound. Meaning... It was not ready to go back into the battle, back to sail, to do what it it had been created to do. God in our salvation makes us safe. But he also desires to make us sound. So that we can go do what he's created us to do. And it's as we pray this prayer, he does his work of making us sound. I picture on that ship where they go into the internal chambers and they weld, you know, the metal back together so it can stand the storms. And they go to the engine and they, you know, fix the engine and fix the propeller. And now the ship is ready to go. So it is in your life and my life as we walk this recovery road. Pray, Lord, cleanse my heart, purify my motives, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And I love the word David uses for renew because you can just sense, and this is encouragement to you, have you ever come to those points in life when you realize this fire that I had for God, this love for I have, I've had for God, it's become cold. And, and as I look back on my 19-year-old self or my 10-year-old self or my 30-year-old self, I was much more fired up for God than I am today. And often the struggles of life but also success in life can lead us to complacency can it where we we just begin to drift from god we we don't need him as we think and then we drift into sin and we drift from him and here david is praying lord renew 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 a steadfast spirit within me revelation chapter 2 or um you know that god jesus calls the church return to your first love maybe today that's you maybe you're just feeling like distant from the Lord, that passion to serve Him, that passion to love Him, that passion to do His will, that that sweet simplicity of just wanting to see His smile and the, the joy of knowing Him and walking with Him, it's grown cold and this is the prayer that God's given you to pray, renew to me a steadfast spirit, God, renew that in my heart. Then David responds with a, uh, a vision of hope and this is just a picture of hope for us too there in verse 13 to 15, as he says, then, so once God has renewed a steadfast spirit to him, then I will teach transgressors your way so that sinners will turn back to you. This is where he's saying, I will help other people win their fight. Beautiful picture of him just saying, I'll I'll stand there. I remember one guy saying, I want to stand on the edge of hell and just um, help people from going this way. 
And David's saying, I'm going to help people from making the same mistakes I made. I'll, I'll teach. I'll do what you want me to do to turn sinners back to you. And then he says, deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, you who, you who are God, my Savior. And my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. He says, as you renew a steadfast spirit within me, I will return to this place of worship. Primary vocation in life of, of praising you. And I think what a beautiful picture of hope for us today too. Yes, we will fail. And yes, we will struggle. And yes, we will have our moments where we will sin against the one we love. But God has provided a pathway of recovery. A pathway that can lead us back into our life mission, back into his presence to worship and express our love to him. Broken. When something is broken in our everyday life, what is our reaction? I think it's interesting. I, this past week, I had a had a humbling moment. I was um, trying to get this uh, like scrub a uh, part of a, at the edge of our pool, and I'm leaning over, scrubbing that thing, and center of gravity went over, and I dropped right into the pool. Big splash, Tim's thinking, what's going on out there? <laughs> and you, as a youth pastor, one of my reoccurring nightmares was that, you know, when you're a youth, youth pastor, you're always at the pool party, and you always have your phone and your wallet. And so I yeah, would have dreams, man, and the kids are always trying to throw you in. And so I'm like, oh, man, are my phone in my wallet? My, and all of a sudden, that nightmare became reality. I reached into my pocket, and my phone was in my pocket when I had dropped into the pool. So I was like, oh, man, I hope it Hours later, it's dead. And so what happened to my emotions? I was sad. When something is broken, we get sad. And then I was like, well, this is useless. And so me and that phone had to part. It was an iPhone 7. I was nursing and hoping to take it to the distance, but I had to go to the AT&T store and part ways with that. When something is broken in our lives, we get sad, and that thing becomes useless. But in the kingdom of God, brokenness, brokenness leads to joy and usefulness. The people that God can use greatly in his kingdom are the people who are broken. And this morning, as I I mentioned, I just sense God desires to lead us into the joy of our salvation. And that joy is found in that posture of soul, which is brokenness. A posture which when we fail and as we walk this pathway of confession that we're praying these three prayers along with David. Lord, would you cleanse my heart from my sin? Would you create in me, recreate in me a pure heart, a heart that wants your will alone? And would you renew a steadfast spirit within me? Do you know the joy of your salvation today? Are you living in the joy of being right with God? Do you know the joy of a clean heart? of just being able to wake up and know there is not one outstanding issue between me and my God, me and my Creator. I am perfectly right, one with Him. And I can go out today and just know it's only His grace and blessing that's falling on me. No discipline. I'm one with Him. I'm right with Him. That's what God's calling us into today. Do you know the joy of a pure heart? The sweet simplicity of not having a divided mind, of wanting my way and wanting his way, but wanting his will alone and just that, take all this other stuff, God, I just want to follow you. The joy of that. And do you know the joy 
of a steadfast spirit. The joy of waking up in the morning and not wondering, am I going to cave to this temptation or that temptation or live wobbling through life, but a joy of knowing I have determined with, by God's grace, by His help, I will follow Jesus Christ today. God, would you renew a steadfast spirit within me? And as we pray that, those are three prayers that our God delights to answer. So may we be praying them as we follow Him, that it would lead us into the joy of renewed intimacy with Him. Throughout this year and throughout this series, we've been asking the question, or really chasing humility, because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And Peter says, humble yourselves under God's mighty hand that He may lift you up in due time. And we all ask the question, what's it mean to be lifted up? To be lifted up is to be lifted up into the joy of His presence. To, to walk closely with Him. And that's what the path of confession or the, the path of recovery leads us into today. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.